Welcome to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Until you wake up from the American dream, financial uncertainty will be your American reality. Join Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto and their guest as they explore how you can attain financial liberty by uncovering truths that have been kept secret for decades. Have you ever played a game and didn't know the rules? How can you ever win? Learn the rules to the game and in turn, learn how to win. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Financial Liberty Project with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto. Today is their inaugural podcast. This is the chance for you to get to know them on a personal level and on a business level. And i got some questions I'm going to ask. Uh, I don't know how many. Uh, a few for business, and then we're going to get into my favorite questions, which are all the personal stuff. And, and I'm hoping that there's a few embarrassing stories. And between these two, I guarantee there will be. They've been working together for a very long time. Gentlemen, how are you today? Wonderful. Great. Just love it. <laughs> How are you, Eric? I'm doing well. What do you love specifically? I think that was Coe's. What, what are you loving specifically today? I just love the opportunity to live, to get out there and just bring forth the best that I have to the world. All right. Uh, this isn't Miss America pageant, bud. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is your podcast, but we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, he so, was walking down the aisle. Well, there you go. Um, do you have world a tiara peace. on? Is there a tiara involved at all? Uh... No comment? We're talking about that. Okay, we're not going to ask we'll, that as we'll the first We'll give you a question. final decision next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'd, I'd like to get to know you guys a little bit and get, let our audience get to know you guys. You've been doing radio for quite some time, and, and you have a great audience there, and we're hoping that they come right over to the podcast side, uh, which we consider the, the better side uh, of recording. Uh, of course, I say that, but uh, I want dark the dark side. The, yeah, yeah, you know, you know how it is. But I, I want the audience to get to know you a little bit, so I've, I've got some questions. You guys ready? Absolutely. We are. All right. I'm going to start with Sam. How did you get interested in financial services? Oh, my gosh. You're making me dig way back when. Well, it was really interesting is that um, I was in college uh, going to Cal State University, Long Beach, and I was uh, taking economics, and that was my major. And it was, uh, it was one of these where uh, initially I got into it because – I found out that the exams were all pretty much Scantron and there was no blue book essays involved. Ah, so nice. uh, I, <laughs> I didn't necessarily have to overly think. And I was a really good test taker at that time. So uh, I was able to rule out A, B, C, or D. <laughs> so I got in economics based on the Scantrons. And the, but at one point I started recognizing, hey, what am I going to do with my life with an economics degree? So I, I ended up going to several of my professors' office times and and discovered that I could either be an economist, which that didn't sound too appealing, or one of my economics teachers says, well, you could be a stockbroker. You know, that's another one. I go, well, mm, that sounds intriguing. So what ended up happening is uh, I started looking at the classified sections and, and uh, to be a stockbroker's assistant. Hmm. And um, I ended up becoming or, or ask I was asked to come on in for a small and short interview over at Prudential Securities over in Long Beach and I met what would soon be my boss and he, he hired me on the spot wow. and, uh, and and by hiring hiring me on the spot he, he said hey here's a here's a list of people to call here's a script go call them and that was my foray into the financial services business from a very basic standpoint. But what ended up happening is that over the course of about a year and a half, two years, 
uh, I started understanding the business more and I, I started to really uh, delve deeper into it. And I, and the great part about working with the people that I worked with is that they allowed me to ask several questions and I was a very curious individual. Hmm. And uh, before you knew it, I started something, uh, I started to really enjoy and, and like what I was doing. And uh, I found out that, hey, you know, this is something that I can do with my economics degree. And, and nice. so it all started with the Scantron. Always <laughs> starts with the Scantron. Got it. <laughs> now, Coz, you had a, a bit of a different path getting to where you're at today. Uh, from what I understand, and we haven't had a whole, lot of, a whole lot of time to talk about this, but you actually started as an engineer, right? You, you drove trains. Is that how that works? No, no, no. Um, oh. People called me Urkel, and I got tired of being called that, so I decided <laughs> on a uh, career change. No, um, the the truth is um, I, I have a computer science uh, background, um, went to uh, a great uh, university in um, Southern California, UC Irvine, and I became an engineer. I was hired out of college, and I worked on global positioning systems um, hmm. known as GPS before anybody knew really what it was. And I remember getting up early in the mornings at all, you know, different times of day just to go out and test equipment um, to track GPS satellites. Um, you know, back in the days, we're talking like the mid 80s. Wow. And so I did that. Um, you know, I worked on um, militarized software applications for uh, GPS. And um, but uh, what happened was when I sh uh, shortly after I was hired on. The company I worked for had a massive layoff, and I'd never, you know, seen one happen. I was experiencing it before my very eyes, and, mm. and uh, what I began to notice was it was the guys that had some white hair that were getting laid off. And wow. so, I had spoken to uh, my supervisor, and I said, "Hey, what's going on here? You know, why are all these guys getting laid off?" And I just got hired recently, and and I'm being spared. And he says, "Well, there's a thing called age risk, and you get to your fifties, and." Um, uh, corporations uh, like to uh, get you know get rid of the people that are making a good salary and uh, under the belief that they can hire new college grads and replace them, uh, you know people with less experience are replacing people with great experience and so that always stuck out in my mind and I just knew uh, when I was in my twenties that um, before I get to the age of, of the fifties that I would you know have my own business or I'd be doing something that I have complete control over where mm -hmm. uh, you know I'm not going to have to face um, a layoff decision made by somebody else other than me. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, that was part of it. And so I was always entrepreneurial, looking for um, opportunities. I was also investing in in the market, uh, you know, both Wall Street and real estate. And uh, I had a tremendous amount of experience just firsthand um, in both of those areas. And uh, it just kind of like um, naturally evolved into uh, transitioning out of engineering um, and, um, you know, real estate. Uh, Wall Street became my new home. And uh, I you know, eventually um, uh, got, you know, got positions where I was raising capital, um, helping investors. And uh, a lot of people started reaching out to me and asking for opinions. And so... I decided to go ahead and, uh, you know, just turn it into a formal business. Um, then Sam and I met and we decided to uh, partner up and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and on the education side and um, and just get the information out there to the masses. Because the reality is, I, I would say on a daily basis, we run into people who have done a lot of things right. But unfortunately, there's always a few things that they've not done right. And it's due to a lack of um, information, knowledge. And uh, our, our, our duty is to get that information out to people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sam, you really kind of founded the Financial Liberty Project. Uh, how long ago was that? Uh, you know, actually, it's been in the works for a little while. I mean, uh, you know, I've always wanted to provide more education because I saw a weakness in the market that individuals just were underinformed and they were constantly just trying to find information and they were raw for this type of information. And so what ended up happening was was constantly, you know, I, I would have these discussions with myself <laughs> and, and also with goes and and we would, you know, just like, okay, there's there's gotta be a better way to educate these individuals because these individuals were were going to workshops, they were going to seminars. And, and, and what was going on is that a lot of these seminars were based on your rhetoric, just the same thing over and over again, a product-based seminar. Mm -hmm. Here's the product. This is what it does for you. And these are the features and the benefits, your typical sales type of thing. And, and so, you know, we wanted to expand on that. And I figured, hey, you know what? This is an opportunity. I, I just love educating. You know, I love, I love uh, uh, talking about um, uh, information that, that isn't necessarily out there because I see the looks on people's faces and they go, oh my gosh, that's that's crazy. I didn't know that existed. And mm -hmm. and every time that happens, it, it kind of rings a bell. It's like, wow, I can't believe you just don't know that. And, and, and after a while, you keep hearing people continuously keep saying, I didn't know this. I didn't know that. And this person didn't tell me that. I just went to a workshop. They didn't tell me that. So what ended up happening was it all was born from a, a, a possible classroom type setting where there would be maybe five, six, seven um, sessions um, all in a you know, classroom type setting. And we were going to talk about, um, you know, everything from what is a stock, what is a bond and retirement and education and debt and break them all up. And so what we recognized was that there's something here that that I think that people would, would really like to see it and, and they could enjoy. But at the same time, too, is that by delving into this and researching it myself, I started discovering that there's not a lot of information out there. And, and for some of the organizations that are trying to provide financial, you know, financial information out there, financial literacy, you may want to call it, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's our opinion that, that they've been doing it incorrectly, you know, and, and that the financial literacy isn't really financial literacy in any way whatsoever. It's just maybe another, another means to sell a product. And, and so that's, that's what we were all about is, is that, uh, you know, ever since I got into this business back in 1993 is that, you know, for, for the, for the longest time, I recognized that you just can't sell a product features and benefits. That's just not how it works as far as I'm concerned and how, how I've always practiced my business, but it's always been about educating, 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 and providing that education and people will start coming and they'll start listening to you. It's really just providing as much outflow as you possibly can because the inflow will ultimately come back. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny because I picture every salesman that they are an educator, right? But they're really only educating you on the finer points or the, the positives of whatever product they're trying to sell you. you know, they can tell you all the great things about this bus, but they also don't tell you that it won't fit in your garage, right? It, it doesn't fit the rest of your lifestyle if they try to sell you something like that. And, and product pushers are, uh, are one of the reasons that education gets stunted, I think, in a lot of ways. So that's, that's really interesting. Coase, Absolutely. Coase, what is your role in the organization or in, at the Financial Liberty Project? It's real simple. Um, I'm a, I, would, I consider myself a conduit of experience and information, knowledge about uh, you know, money. So Sam and I go through our lives. We meet people every day, as, as I said, 
And um, there's not a day that goes by that we don't run into a situation that we really feel like there's a lesson to be learned. Mm. And so we bring those experiences, you know, names withheld, of course, but the experiences come to uh, the general public through our, um, our, our, uh, our, you know, our show, our podcast. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that's my role is, is, to, uh, is to provide that information and experience to the masses. Well, Coz, just for your own library, my name is Eric, and I leased a minivan for three years, and it was the worst mistake ever. And you can tell people that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, yes. the, the, well, I mean, I hear you laughing, Eric, oh. but, uh, you know, the, these are the things that we talk about mm-hmm. is, um, you know, I, I think Sam will be talking about debt, but um, it's one of our, our things that we try to, you know, get people to understand what is the reality of you know, financing or buying things that um, we're not ready for uh, to have in our lives. You know, exactly. It had three TVs. It was fantastic. But again, the salesman told me all the positives, just didn't didn't see the negatives. The emotion was there, and that that's uh, that's kind of what I got hung up on. All right. Besides, like what we we're just talking about, as far as debt and uh, consumerism, if you will, uh, what do you see are the largest issues people face when it comes to money in general? Well, I mean, that's, you know, there, there's so many and that's the, uh, that, that's the, the beauty of the financial liberty project and the podcast that we're putting together is that we're going to be uncovering a lot of, uh, hidden rules that are out there and you'll, co- you'll constantly and oftentimes hear us say that, how can you win a game if you don't know the rules to that particular mm-hmm. game? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd probably say that one of the biggest games that are out there and it's, it's true. It truly is a game. It happens to be the game of debt and not understanding debt fully. And, you know, oftentimes Coz and I will say that we are the elective that uh, that people should have taken in high school or the class that for one semester in college would have really changed their lives. Absolutely. And, and I, happen to, I happen to feel that, that the game of debt and understanding debt and not getting into debt is one of the main drivers to the inabilities to for people to not wake up and, 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 uh, and, and you know, worry about money. Because... A lot of times we'll say that, you know, everyone's goal, everyone's everyone's ideal is to wake up and not have to worry about money. I've yet to run into a person that says, hey, you know what, when I grow up, I want to worry about money all day long. <laughs> exactly. You know, we all want to wake up and not have to worry about money. And how can that be done when at a very early age, I'm talking really early, Eric, is that, uh, that we're training our kids on how to utilize debt. Not just long ago, one of my kids just told me, "Hey, can you put money in my food, my balance, my 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 uh, my food account at oh, school?" Oh yeah, absolutely. And I was like, "Wait, hold on, okay." So that's right. We didn't make a lunch. We were too busy. I'm one of you know. I have six kids, so we had a very busy evening. We couldn't uh, make lunches for them. And so what ended up happening is that uh, my wife decided to go ahead and and put money in. And I guess they put in this brand new application where every time you contribute and you you put money into a kid's account they're going to charge you three bucks and i was like whoa hold on so if i just put yeah if i put twenty dollars fifty bucks or or a hundred even at a hundred it's three percent of that hundred so it's not three percent just at one time it's every single time so what i ended up doing was i ended up saying okay here's three dollars and i you know we we didn't do that i actually gave him three one dollar bills and uh, what I re- started recognizing is as he was coming home is I was recognizing that he was he wasn't spending his entire three dollars. He was actually just spending about maybe a dollar fifty. But lunch was, you know, three dollars. And there were days that he didn't eat lunch, but he started thinking, well, I don't want to eat lunch. I want to save my three dollars. Um, but 
not having that around, what was going on is that he was just spending up. What we found was about $5 in credit a day. Mm. So, uh, you know, just changing, change, it, it's interesting that the school system, what we discovered was was enabling these individuals and teaching them how to spend money that wasn't, that, that they couldn't see. Exactly. And it, and it got to a point where he was able to hold those three $1 bills and he saw the money and he didn't want to part with it. And it was a little bit different. It's kind of like how we grew up back in the day is that, you know, it was $1.50 for lunch and we got the $1.50. We didn't have it. We didn't eat. Mm-hmm. Today, if you don't have money in the account uh, over in school, if you don't, especially at school, if you don't have money in the account, they will go ahead and say, not a problem. We'll go ahead and feed you anyways. It just goes into debt. And now he has a negative. So I hmm. think it's just, the, you know, some of the message, uh, some of the messages that are out there are incorrect. And, and so I think I may have gotten a little off track and I think I missed the point on the mark here. But, um, you know, <laughs> no, I, I think this is the point, right? This is the point of the podcast is that th- those are the everyday things that people don't even know. A lot of people don't know, you know, what's going on with their kids account. My, my daughter had the same situation where we would have uh, something on there, but I never thought of it. In the at the grade school level, right? My daughter was in high school when that was really coming forward, and so it was a little bit easier to talk to her because we'd already talked about finances. But yeah, I, I didn't even think about at grade school level. They don't have any concept of it, and that's just the money's just there. I swipe this card, and they actually had cards that they would swipe so they would know that they had credit on their card. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't imagine grade schoolers. I'm just that's training from a very very early age in the wrong way. You're absolutely right. Um, Absolutely. Huh. Well, and right. I, that leads me, my, my next question was going to say, hey, how does the Financial Liberty Project fit into this? But obviously, this education is exactly what they need, right? I mean, that's what we're looking at. Eric, I would just add to that by saying that um, really it's a it's a cultural issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of revolutions going on. You know, we, we see the news. There's a, there's a lot of new things going on. But one of the things that isn't going on is a change in mindset. And Sam's touched on it a great deal, but I'd like to add that it's, it's more, I think it's more of a cultural thing. Um, and, and culture comes from various sources. It can come from the family. It can come from the government. It can come from our education system. Those are the three areas where I, I see people grow up getting their, their financial monetary values uh, every day through life, through those three um, conduits. And so, um, you know, just yesterday I was speaking with my daughter. She's, um, a junior in high school, she's going to be, uh, uh, you know, we're looking at college pretty soon, right? And um, one of the things that uh, young people are having to face is graduating from a four or five year, you know, college experience, walking out of there with a diploma, not understanding that they, you know, owe between a hundred to three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. It's like having a mortgage payment exactly uh, given to you for graduating college. That never happened in my days, and so there's something wrong with that. And, um, you know, now we've got young people saying, well, college should be free. I mean, there, there is something terribly amiss in, in, our, in, in our young people's thinking. And, you know, I highly respect their creativity and their enthusiasm. But I told my daughter, we're not going to have you graduate from a, a, you know, from a four or five year college experience owing, you know, that kind of money. I mean, I might accept owing $5,000, you know, maybe even 10000 but Anything beyond that is just ridiculous. So we've got to find a way to overcome that cultural way of thinking about things. And and Sam called it called it debt. You know, we are a debt a debt ridden society. Mm-hmm. It's happening worldwide. It's happening in the politics. It's happening in the schools and the families. So 
you know, one of the, the greatest battles that Sam and I face every day is as we meet and talk to people and we try to show them how to wake up every day not worrying about money is that they have to change the way they view the purchase of items in their life. You know, people want instant gratification. They're told that you can have that instant gratification just so long as you have a good FICO score and you're willing to sign on a dotted line. You can fog this mirror. We'll give you a credit card. We'll give you a loan. Mm -hmm. And that's the way America works. And so what happens is then you end up in my shoes where you're meeting people who, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about on our radio show just today about um, a person who is in her 80s has dementia, has Alzheimer's, has no money, has just enough from Social Security to just, you know, buy the basic necessities. But a person of that of that situation needs full-time care. So now Absolutely. the 50-year-old daughter has to leave her job to take care of her mom full-time, and they, they are constantly out of money. And there is no solution because the daughter cannot work, the mom doesn't have any kind of a plan to cover her expenses. And this is the way America is going. It's just that you, if you live in your 20s with your head in the sand, thinking that a credit card is a justified and glorified way to buy a card you can't afford, then you're going to end up just like this, you know, this daughter and her mother. And that's what we're trying to change. It's, a, it's. I think it's more of a cultural thing. It's a, it's a way of thinking, and um, you know, one person at a time is going to have to be convinced that they have to change how they view the way they purchase things in their life. Absolutely. And Eric, we have this thing called the Great American Retirement Crisis. It's a module that we talk about it. Oftentimes, we'll, we'll mention, I mean, we talk about kids, we talk about um, individuals that are millennials, 30, 40, 50 year olds. But what we really find out is that a lot of these individuals that are retiring, one of the greatest generations ever with 109 million people that are baby boomers, one, roughly one third of the population, they're now facing a retirement crisis in that a lot of individuals are retiring with a tremendous amount of debt on their hands. Not only do they mm -hmm. have to take care of their children, but they're also taking care of their parents and as well, they're taking care of themselves. So we, it's not, it's, it's not too often that we, we actually find individuals that don't have any debt going into retirement. And it's really hard to enjoy your retirement years when you, you're, you're pressured into, you know, trying to find how you're going to be living um, and making your expenses uh, over over the next 30 some odd years every single month. So an individual with a million dollars and he has a or he she, you know, the, the a married couple have a need of ten thousand dollars a month, which is one hundred twenty thousand. That's 12 percent on a portfolio, mm -hmm. you know, 12 percent on a million dollar yeah. portfolio. That's just too high. And a lot of it we find is that 85 percent of it is debt and they were never taught about debt. And like what Coe's indicated, um, our parents didn't know too much about debt, and our teachers didn't know too much about debt. And as a result, people don't necessarily know how to handle debt outside they, they the didn't fact talk that about debt it. is good. Yeah, and they didn't talk about it. I mean, and, and it's, we can talk about family generational things. My parents didn't talk to me a whole lot about finances because their parents didn't talk to them because it was taboo, right? It's, it's, we don't talk about that. That's not something that we talk about. It's none of your business as a child. Um, it, you know, parents take care of it. We'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. But we never really saw what that looked like or how that all the ins and outs of it. You know, we, we were told not to get into debt, but never told how not to. Um, so I, I agree 100 percent. Now, we focused a lot on kind of what the Financial Liberty Project does and why. And we really hammered in why. Obviously, there's a tremendous need that needs to be filled. But now I need to shift gears because we're getting a little low on time. And I want to ask a couple personal questions just to get to know you guys a little more personally and let our audience know you. Um, are you OK with that? Shifting gears a bit? Sure. Oh, absolutely. All right. First question, when you guys aren't working, what do you do for fun? 
Silence. A- appropriate fun. <laughs> appropriate fun, well, gentlemen. You, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. When I'm not working and uh, what we do for fun is it's actually you know interesting because it kind of like marries into work at the same time because I've got six kids. So well, now we know. And so what you do for – oh, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> you make children is what you're doing uh, for fun. You, right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Number seven on the horizon. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's interesting. We tell people, it's like, hey, don't make the mistake of having more than two. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Um, you know, and I'm actually right in the middle of it all because this is at a point where, you know, we keep telling people that that uh, children don't necessarily become productive people in society until they graduate um, college because they're truly just an expense, but a loved expense. Mm-hmm. And and so when I, what I do for fun is I watch my kids grow up and I watch yeah. them play soccer. I watch them play hockey. I watch them play. You know, they pick up golf now. And so we're, we're, we're really the epitome of what was given birth many years ago by the baby boom generation of soccer mom soccer dad. So we are soccer mom, soccer dad, ice hockey dad, ice hockey mom, and every other type of parent that you can possibly find right now. That's awesome. And, um, it's, yeah. So, so whether or not that's fun or not, I see that consuming the majority of my weeks, which is, you know, I gotta tell you, Coz and I, we talk about this on a regular basis. Where would we be when it all stops? Mm. You know? Well, Well, I'm not sure if it's ever going to stop Sam, because, um, I think we're thinkers, we're creative and, I think we want to make a big difference, um, you know, through this project. Uh, so, you know, again, back to your question, Eric, what do I do if I'm not working, quote unquote, working? Um, I think I'm still kind of working. I think my mind's still, you know, still going 300 miles an hour thinking, hey, you know, what can I, what can I milk out of life? And, uh, but, uh, you know, let's just say there's a moment where I'm actually not even doing that. Then, you know, I've got a daughter who, as I said earlier, is a junior in high school, and um, she, you know, she's given up performing arts, she's given up piano, she's given up uh, languages, uh, just to focus on golf, and that's a big part of, uh, mm. you know, my job as a parent to help her uh, aspire to a competitive golf uh, goal for, uh, you know, for competing in the college level um, in the sport. Very unlikely that she's going to move on from there and, you know, be a professional golfer, but you know, you never know. But I think a part of that also is, um, you know, just exercising what Sam and I always talk about, which is to stretch one's mind. Mm-hmm. So with my daughter, a lot of the time is is spent on, hey, you know, just believing and saying the right things and and just living life in a, in a manner that um, can avoid a lot of the mistakes that we actually see people making, you know, through our line of work and um, and just you know, shaping and molding. Are, uh, not just my kid, but uh, Sam with his kids to uh, you know think in the right manner so that they're not they're not becoming a sad story on on our podcast or our radio shows. So uh, you know, but you know, aside from that, um, because my daughter's a golfer, I like to golf. Um, I like to surf, and you know, that's just uh, a very healthy lifestyle. Um, and wait, uh, wait, so you just called surfing a healthy lifestyle. Didn't you just show me a picture of sand, <laughs> um, sharks in the water? Be aware. <laughs> Yeah, it can be unhealthy at times, um, but uh, depends you know, on who's fast. You, re- you remember my experience? I think it was two summers ago where um, I actually uh, came within a few feet of a uh, of a great white shark in Huntington Beach, and Boy. it was all over the news. Not me, but uh, the shark was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, you were not so, all over the news. Out of out of seventy surfers in the water, I was the only one that left the water. So um, you know, maybe uh, maybe I'm the one smart guy in the water, or the guy that uh, is afraid of everything. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. But before that, you went into the water, but prior to that, you actually sent me a photo 
and it said, hey, Sam, take a look at this. And it was like, beware of sharks. And then he went into the water anyways. It was awesome. I love it. Nice. <laughs> I, studied, I studied statistics in college, and so I figured I had a good chance of coming back out of the water. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think, isn't isn't it uh, lightning that you're more likely to get hit by than a shark attack, something like that? I, think that's, I don't know. Just... With my luck, I got, you know, I got the odds where I, I'll probably get struck by lightning Both. while I'm being eaten up by a shark. Yeah, while you're surfing. Then, then you're just cooked. So it's a, you know, a well-done cause. Goes. What is cause cause? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I really appreciate the time that you've given me today already. Uh, we are getting a little short on time, and so I'm actually going to, I want to split this podcast into two. We have talked a bit about the Financial Liberty Project and really the passion behind why you guys are, are so adamant about getting this education out there, and I love that. And I think our audience is going to hear that in your voices for sure. Uh, but I don't want to short us on getting to know you personally, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm having a great time, and I want to be able to ask you some really interesting questions, catch you off guard on a couple. Uh, would it be okay if we came back and did the personal questions on a second podcast? Absolutely. Well, it depends how personal. <laughs> well, how personal do you want it to be? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. All right. Yeah, boxers are brilliant. No, we won't cover that question on the next one. Guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we'll definitely do the personal questions on the next podcast, and that way the audience can get to know you that way. Thank you for being flexible, uh, as flexible as you can be. And uh, I'm going to close this out unless you have any closing thoughts for us. No, thank you very much, Eric. Thank you, Eric. See you soon. All right, sounds good. And thank you all for listening to the Financial Liberty Project podcast with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukumoto. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Sam and Coast come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Financial Liberty Project, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. It's that time again where the call of the open road makes its way. We hope good fortune finds you on your own personal road. And until next time, we thank you for listening to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.